Uh, just a quick recap. Um, if you are new with us, we are now we are currently in a series called "The Church That Jesus Longs For." How many of you guys have just been loving this series? So good. I love it. I, it's been awesome. Really, what the series is is what we're doing as a church family is we are actually listening and kind of looking at Paul's highlight reel, if you will. So looking at his life and kind of the best of the best of his teachings, the revelations he received from the Lord, and really just getting fresh insight from him on really what kind of church does Jesus long to see. You know, we've been learning everything from instructions on how to live. We've been learning how to confront each other, how to do leadership well. And last week from Alex's teaching, which is on the podcast, we've been, uh, we learned what evangelism is and how to do it well. It's been so good. And I know personally, for me, I've been provoked and inspired. I think um, if I talk about it too much, I could cry. I cry very easy. But I think this series, what it's done for me is it's made me feel really childlike. I don't know about you, where I'm like, I feel like I'm learning, getting a fresh glimpse of the gospel and learning how to be a son again. Like where I'm excited, like, oh my gosh, this is what the kingdom is. And this is what Jesus really longs to see. And I feel like I'm relearning things. I don't know if anyone is going through that same thing, but it's really good. Um, so I'm excited to continue that journey with you guys. I'm, I'm excited to share on my heart. How many of you have your Bibles? It's awesome. I saw some phones. That's okay. There's Bible apps. But the real thing, right, is good. Okay, the scripture that we're going to be in tonight is Ephesians 6.10. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians 6, 10. Let's actually just jump right in. I'm going to read. Go ahead and follow along. Are you guys there? Awesome. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you're taking notes tonight, the title of, and this is what Alex says, I don't know what he said. If you're taking notes, that's all, what is it? Just take notes. I don't know what he says, but it's so good. If you're not taking notes, Write this down. That's it. Something like that. The title of my message is Prepared for the Battle. Let's actually say that all together. Prepared for the Battle. I heard like one of you. I think you guys are starting to know that. Not grumpy, but this is participation. Let's all say it. Prepared for the Battle. Look towards your neighbor and say, are you prepared for the battle? (laughs) Now look to your neighbor that you so rudely ignored and maybe give him like a nudge and say, hey, listen up, Jake's about to teach you how. So good. 
Hey guys, everyone loves a fighter, right? Everyone loves a fighter. Everyone loves a tough guy. Everyone loves a tough girl. We love the countless stories of the underdog rising to the top, the underdog who is a fighter, right? Who is strong and determined and knows how to fight. You know, I think about culture in Hollywood. They love strong fighters too. I mean, I can think of so many things. I can think about the huge hit from the huge band Survivor. Help me out here. It's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the... It's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the... And then I think of ACDC. Do we have any ACDC fans in here? There's maybe one. Oh, yes! ACDC fan. Actually, my grandpa... This is not in my notes. My grandpa is a huge ACDC fan. I love ACDC, and I think I love ACDC because of my grandpa. I think of all these times where we used to drive in his truck and just all the windows down, and he would just blare that sucker, just ACDC. And one of their major songs, if you guys remember, is T. It has an anthem at the end of the song, TNT. Fight. TNT, fight, fight, right? Okay, I guess only I know that song. Okay. I, th- I can think of also some favorite classic movies, some fighter movies, everything from The Lord of the Rings, Frodo, to Fighter. He's a fighter. I mean, he's a tiny, hairy, sweaty, kind of weird fighter, but a fighter nonetheless, right? I think of Gladiator. That's like every Christian guy's favorite movie. <laughs> kind of like every Christian guy's a like, Gladiator. I love Gladiator. What a fighter. I think of uh, another classic fighting movie, Rocky. Any Rocky fans? There's no fighter like a boxer, am I right? And, and now speaking of boxing, this is a weird segue, but thinking of boxing, can we picture the boxing coach, right? So you think of Rocky in, in, in the ring, and, but think of the boxing coach. He's constantly telling the boxer, hey, you can do this, keep it up. He's just as sweaty as the boxer. He's even like slapping the boxer's face sometimes, like focused, right? And in writing this message, I felt like I want to be that for you tonight. I want to be that sweaty, normally he's in a white, nice button-up, but that sweaty, like, coach that's, like, slapping you, reminding you who you are, just like, hey, stay focused, you're a fighter. So that's what I want to be. And so very simply put, I want to say, a lot of my message tonight is simple, but how many of you know the gospel is simple? The good news is simple. So I first want to start with you guys. I need to declare it you, Becky, my wife. Emily, I see Philip, you, you guys are fighters. You were created in and for victory. The Bible, the Lord Jesus says you are strong. Amen? Real quick, let's look at the screen. Isaiah 40, 29 says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Next slide. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Next slide. This is what we actually just read. Ephesians 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. So before we dive any further, I want to remind you of that simple truth, that through the finished work of the cross, not because of anything that you've done, and I think that's the good news of it, we are victorious because of what Jesus did, and therefore you are strong. So I'm declaring over you guys over and over, you are strong. You are a fighter. You are called to fight the kingdom of darkness in victory. Amen? It's a good word. I'm excited about it. We can maybe even be done right there. Worship team, come up. All right. Church is fun, remember. (laughs) 
Look to your neighbor again for the aggregate. Say, are you prepared for the battle? <laughs> now let's take it a little deeper. How many of you know that you were born into a battle, right? You were born into a fight, if you will. And how many of you know that a lot of us frequently, I hear it, would maybe even say, I'm in a fight right now. I think of something as little as when I wake up in the morning and I go to the bathroom and I look in the mirror and I see my crazy, it doesn't look this good all the time, this crazy bed hair. I look at myself, I'm like, oh, I'm in a battle. This is weird. <laughs> so something as little as that. But in fight, we, in life, we fight constantly to believe. We fight to endure certain things. Some of us fight to raise a family. We fight to be good friends. I know sometimes I fight to be a good husband. You may fight to be a good wife. Then on top of that, how many of you know that we also have some inner fights, right? We, we constantly maybe are fighting fear, doubt, insecurities. You know, some of us are fighting off some childhood stuff, that, some baggage that we brought into adulthood. So we're all in a fight. You know, the person next to you is probably in a fight. I, I've noticed that it doesn't matter your social status, your race, whatever it is, you can't escape this quote-unquote fight. Now, I never want to elevate our struggles and make them look all shiny. And even when I say the word fight, you might initially have some like negative thoughts or like negative connotation. When you hear the word fight, you might think more, we use a word around here a lot, sweaty. You might think of just like a sweaty mess. You might think of being defeated. However, I would like to propose to you tonight that as New Testament believers, the narrative is much different. As believers, we were born into a battle, or a fight, if you will, but a battle that was already won. We were already victorious because of Jesus. See, let me tell you, if you woke up every morning so greatly convinced of the truth of your current victory, I would argue that we would actually want to fight. We would want to seek out impossibilities and different battles, if you will, because it would be another opportunity for Jesus to reign. And actually, as these New Testament believers, we are actually instructed in, let's look on the screen, 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of the faith. And kind of remember that phrase because we keep coming back to this. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So fight the good fight of the faith. I love this. If you are close to me, if you're a dear friend, I know my wife hears this, I know Alex hears it all the time, I constantly am talking about fighting the good fight of faith. It's something, this one phrase, this one scripture has actually really formed my inner world as of late. It's given me a huge, huge vision and clarity in navigating my life. So just real quick, let's go over the de definition of the word fight. So Google, the dictionary, says this, fight to take part in a violent struggle involving the exchange of physical blows or the use of weapons. Another one was a violent confrontation, or go back, sorry, a violent confrontation or struggle. Now, obviously, I would say the definition of this fight is true and right, and in the right context, it makes sense. However, in the context of my talk, I would actually like to maybe give maybe a new definition a new context of what it means in the kingdom. I'd like to propose maybe a perspective change, if you will. I'd like to propose that the word fight has a different kingdom definition. Now look at the screen, very simple. This is what I'd like to say for tonight. Fight, very simple, means to stand, 
with peace and trust. So tonight, as we move along in this journey, what I want to do is kind of, with that definition, maybe put those glasses on, and what we're reading and what we're talking about, think of fighting, is to stand with peace and trust. So fighting is standing. In the kingdom, fighting is standing. See, there's so many things in the kingdom that tend to be upside down, right? Has, has anyone ever experienced that? And I actually believe that that's what is amazing about it. The thing is this. I think next slide. Fighting, the good fight of the faith, equals standing firm in the position that you are placed in Christ. That's good news. I'm going to read it again. Fighting, the good fight of the faith, is standing firm in the position that you are placed in Christ. See, I would say, I'm sure in your life you can think of times as New Testament believers we find time again, time, time again that actually when we fight in the kingdom, it's very rare that we actually go like head to toe with the enemy or like just like face to face and we're constantly trying to attack him directly. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think the enemy has a role to play in like spiritual warfare and we'll get into that later. But how many of you know that our fight has a lot more to do with standing on truth? So you remember the scripture we just read doesn't say fight the good fight with faith. It says, fight the good fight of faith. See, so what the Bible is saying is your fight, your focus, should be on fighting for your faith, for truth, for constant belief in the good news of the gospel. So ultimately, fighting for the truth of the scriptures is that they would constantly be ringing true for you in your life. Remember, declaring the truth that is Jesus, standing on his promises, Standing firm on what he says you are. To stand in your strong identity. To not lose faith in that. Faith is so many things, but I think when it's boiled down, faith is our belief. It's truth. It's, it's our belief. So once again, let's not lose sight of who we are in the face of every trial. These thoughts that I'm chatting about remind me of the scripture in 2 Corinthians. Let's look at this. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish... I love that language. It's like fight, war. It's like victory language. Amen. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So how many of you know as believers, the fight, I've heard it said, the fight or the battlefield of the mind for the believer is found in between the ears. So again, let me read this scripture again. It's still up on the screen. I can see it back here, which is cool. We demolish arguments, so I love that, like we actually destroy them, we like tear them down, and every pretentious that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So knowledge of God, another word for that is truth. So picture truth up here. So what are, what are we called to do? We demolish arguments, that anything, another, another translation said, any thought that rises higher than the knowledge of God. So anything that is higher, anything that is higher than the truth, what we do is we take captive every thought so we take that thing that's rising, and in our lives, I'm sure some of you guys have done this before, you take it and you, you release it back down and, and give it back to Christ. Amen? Does that make sense? So it's in the mind. So now back to our text for the evening, the armor of God, knowing everything we just chatted about. Putting on the full armor of God doesn't just mean us getting all our armor on so that we can gear up and give the enemy a big black eye. Or we can put all our armor on and give him the biggest intercessory uppercut, right? Or we don't put our armor on to, quote, unquote, get him off our back, right? See, I actually have some good news for you tonight. 
the enemy already has a huge black eye. He already got a huge uppercut to the dome when Jesus died on the cross. Amen? When he spoke, I love you, through the cross, the devil instantly, in that moment, got off your back. That's the good news. Are you going to believe it tonight? Because the battle is won. Amen? So what I'd like to do right now is, if you guys are up for it, no feedback, we're just going to do it, um, is we're going to go over this text again, verse by verse, and I'd love to unpack some thoughts and implications because I think more than ever now, the church needs to not have some big strategy. I think the church as of right now needs to know already how equipped they are for the battle. Look to your neighbor and say, are you prepared for the battle? Okay, you guys still have Ephesians 6 open. Okay, we're going to go through uh, verse by verse again and kind of unpack some stuff. Are you guys there? So verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Stop there. I may be beating kind of the same drum over and over. I don't really care. I have the mic tonight. So the scripture here, I'll say it again, says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So simple, before we continue on the, on the, on the passage, you may not be getting it like at the core yet of like how I am, but I, I need you guys to know what I'm declaring over you, what the scripture says is that you are strong. Because of Christ in you. I look at this scripture not as a suggestion from Paul. It's not like something from God just being like, hey, you should probably be strong sometime. I'd actually say this is like a declaration over you. It's a commandment to be strong. So guys, so wake up in the morning and may the first thought on your mind be, I'm strong and victorious. Now moving on, it says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I love this. So these are some kind of Jake thoughts here. I would say, yes, wake up knowing you are strong, but then know the mighty power of Jesus that you possess and carry. Be so convinced when you wake up in the morning that whatever mountain comes your way, you already have the strength and power to demolish that thing. So moving on, verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Simply put, put on. I'd like to propose to you that your, the armor of God that was given to you was a gift from God. It implies, when he says put on, it implies that you actually already have it. It's sitting in your closet. It's tailored for you. It's nice. Some of you fashionistas, kind of like me, hello. It is part of your coming up. This, I would like to propose the armor of God, is in your spring-summer 2019 lookbook. You're going to look real good in it. Okay, it's, but I really, to get serious here for a second, it, what this is saying is that it's in your wardrobe and what it needs, what we need to do is take time in reminding ourselves of his goodness to put on this armor. And Paul's saying put on also implies that it's something that could be pulled off. May we be the people that we put on the armor of God and never take it off. Amen. And then what I love here is it says, put it on so that you can take your stand. Remember we were talking about our kingdom definition of fighting is standing. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I love this idea of he's using like fighting garb. So we could, but I love what he says here. He's, he's, he's talking about armor. It's stuff that in that day you would have totally understand. But I love this idea of put on your armor not so that you can now go fight and pick battles but so that you can now stand. It's powerful. Moving on to verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of dark, of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So once again, this reminds me of what we read, fighting the good fight of the faith. So truth and belief. This is a big deal. It's saying our war is not against flesh or blood. So it's not against people. Amen? Our fight is not against people. It's not, our job is not to debate with people. Our fight is not against our neighbor who's super rude. It's not against politics. It's uh, politicians. It's not that type of thing. What it's actually saying is our fight is against the realms of darkness. So how many of you know that most people, so maybe the people that you are angry with or you want to fight against, how many of you know if they knew the truth of who they were, if they knew what God said about them, they probably wouldn't be doing what they are doing. So the, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our job to love everyone, but now go into our prayer closet, and if we see something, if that thing rises up to want to fight against flesh, what you, we can now, we are set up to now pray for them and say, Holy Spirit, I just pray that for that person, for that politician, for that teacher, for my neighbor, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, would you just so reveal you, the person of truth? Because I know that if they saw you, they would not be doing what they're doing. Does that make sense? So moving on, verse 13. Therefore, again, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, so let's stop there, it's kind of a weird place to stop, but just with that scripture, it's saying, not if the day of evil comes, when it comes. See, I think, I think we've all learned that it doesn't matter if you've been saved for 25 years or 25 seconds, how many of you know the day of evil always kind of comes? Something we say around here is Sunday's great, but Monday always comes. This shouldn't bum us out, but it should actually get us excited to gain more victorious territory for Jesus. Remember how the enemy works. Look at the screen. 1 Peter 5.8. Be alert. I just love this first sentence. Be alert and of sober mind. I just love sober mind. I just think of somebody that so gets the truth. They're taking every thought captive. Sober mind. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, he's constantly prowling around, and his main objective, remember, is to kill, steal, and destroy. So the biggest thing is for us to stand and with eyes of truth See where the enemy is, he's, he's, he's a jerk, he's sneaky and just kind of like creepy and weird, but how many of you know if you start like, if you know how victorious you are, he looks like a joke. You, it's very simple, sometimes it's easy to listen to that voice, but he shows his hand quite a bit. And so it's our job to stand and look out, whether it's for our family, for our friends, for ourselves, he's pretty easy to see in the grass. Moving on. Verse 14, here we go. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Let me read it again. Sorry. <laughs> I like saw something moving on the ground. Obviously, I'm kind of like 80. Sorry. Anyways, <laughs> stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So the belt of truth. I love this. When I think of truth uh, and it being at our waist, I think of it being at the center. You know, I think of uh, 
a lot of exercising talk. I know it may not look like it, but I do. But if you are super into exercising, I hear a lot of people talking about the core. Have you heard of the core? You gotta have a strong core. <laughs> That's kind of fun to say, core, core. Strong core, because they say like, if you focus on your strong core, I could be wrong. I don't. Maybe there's going to be like some 24-hour fitness person going. You're wrong. No, but not really. But maybe let's track with me. The core. If you focus on the strength of your core, it allows you to physically be able to be stronger. Everyone else. Do we kind of get that concept? So what I love about this is maybe if you have that thought, maybe track with me that the waist, if you will, is at the center of your body, and it almost is the axis point, if you will, to just the whole, the, the rest of your body can move because of the waist, you know? And so I, what I love about truth being, my mom's laughing at me, you little stinker. I love you, mom, so much. This is amazing. She's probably laughing because we talk about this stuff all the time, and I just sound silly. But your waist, serious, truth May truth be our center, right? May truth be something where the rest of our body, so the rest of the things we do in the kingdom, we need to operate from a place of truth. I was even actually talking to Alex about this earlier this week. He gave me this little insight. of they use, Paul here is using this language of the armor and all that kind of stuff because, like I said before, if in that day and age you would know what it is about. And Alex said something cool about this, this belt that like these soldiers used to wear was, I guess... You can kind of think of it in this day and age as like a tool belt. It was what it was pretty heavy. It was what you wore. It was how you kind of moved, and you put everything else in there. And I just love that idea of may we move only, may the center of our life be moving from truth, and may everything in the kingdom rest in truth. This is good news. Okay, now the breastplate of righteousness. I love this. When I think of the breastplate of righteousness, what does it cover? Right? I think of my heart. I think of like major veins, I think about lungs. I, I, maybe we could go this far as saying like it covers our life source. This is our life. This is our heart. And I just love this idea that our right standing with God, our righteousness is ultimately what protects us from dying in the kingdom. Not that sounds kind of extreme, but you, you get what I'm saying is this idea of our right standing with God and our righteousness is actually what protects our whole life. When I think about what it covers, I think about the heart. How many of you know the other scripture? Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So I'd like to propose to you tonight that righteousness, may we be a people will righteousness so close and just secures our heart. Because in the day of battle, when it does come, may the only thing that comes out of our mouth be victory, be righteousness. Amen? That actually, I don't know about you, when I'm in a battle sometimes, I always sometimes say things, like the power of life and death is in the tongue. And how you speak is going to determine how you win or lose. Hello. So the thing is, is your heart, may it be so covered and be protected by your right standing with God, that when you get those times of wanting to feel strength and anxious, maybe we be a people that only declare who we are, that this is who I am, this is who I belong to, I'm righteous because of what Jesus did. Amen. So moving on, next verse, are you guys still with me? Are you guys alive? Are you guys feeling equipped? This is what it feels like to equip the saints, Alex. I like this. Do you guys feel equipped? All right. So for the heck of it, I guess to prove to me that you guys are still into this, what, are you, what do you think? I'm gonna look to your neighbor and say, are you prepared for the battle? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, moving on. Where are we at? Verse 15. This is fun. Verse 15 
and with your feet fitted. I like that word, fitted. You're fitted. Feet. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Simply put, guys, we must always walk in peace. I think one of the most powerful stories of peace being displayed is from Jesus. I think Jesus is the Jesus' perfect theology, and we can learn from him. He is the perfect model of how to fight our battles. I think of a time, how many, I know you guys know this, of the story of the boat, where there's the storm out there, and it's just crazy. And if you remember, the disciples are going crazy, freaking out, and Jesus, I just Stinking love Jesus. He's just taking a nap on the boat, right? Okay, so he's sleeping, and everyone's kind of freaking out, and they go and nudge him, and what does he do? He gets up from his sleep, and he calms the storm. I think what's really, really important about this is peace is something that we carry, and it's something, very simple, simply put, is it's what calms the storms. Peace is, if you will, something, if you have a lot of battles that are rising up in your life, I would like to argue that peace is what's going to win those. So it's something that we cultivate. So Jesus, because he's Jesus, he doesn't fear or anything, but with this analogy, Jesus woke up and he wasn't like stressed out from the storm. He actually just released what was in him. And he was sleeping, and so he had this peace in him, and what he had, he released over the storm and it calmed. I've heard a pastor say this before. Listen, the only storm you have authority over are the storms you can sleep through. It's good. Let me say it again. The only storm you have authority over are the storms you can sleep through. See, are you doing whatever you can to fight and maintain your peace? Because the peace you release will be one of the most powerful weapons in your arsenal. See, I also think when the Bible says be anxious for nothing, I like to propose that your amount of peace is in direct relationship with your amount of trust. Right, so the disciples would probably have had more peace if they were just like, okay, the storm's here, but wait, I remember who is in the boat. I remember this person. I trust him. What happens was they were on the boat, and they, I'd like to propose, that they lost trust in Jesus. They forgot who was in the boat. And so I would like to say, I'll, I'll say that again, I'd like to propose that amount of peace you have in your life is in direct relationship with the amount of trust. So you guys want more peace and trust? Remember the presence of the person that is in the boat with you. See, peace isn't the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of someone. Let me say that again. Peace isn't the absence of conflict, it's the presence of someone. See, when I think of that, I think in this day and age, and this isn't bad, but more than ever, there's this huge rise of just like wanting peace in our life. You know, I, I look on on the internet, I look on YouTube, whatever it is, podcasts, there's just so many things out there about meditation and yoga and all these practices and, and especially in this day and age of just like so much technology and everybody's hungry for the quiet life, right? And I would say that's not necessarily bad. I practice some of those things. I, I, I love rest. I love solitude. I think it's a good thing. But in the the heart behind some of these practices is actually to, okay, life is too hectic, this is stressful, I gotta now subtract different things from my life. I need to subtract cell phone use, I need to subtract this, and, and whatever, it is, whatever it is. But I would like to, to say that, I'd like to propose that in order to get peace, so it's not the, it's not the absence of all these things, 
It's now it's our job as New Testament believers to invite the person of peace into those things. And we aren't about emptying. We're going to be about filling. So if you keep in mind, they had peace on the boat, the person of peace, and they released it so that the, the story also implicates that actually in the midst of all of that stuff, we are called to invite someone in, trust him, and fill ourselves with peace to now release it. Amen? Have you ever been in like a stressful situation, like a just like a work situation or a family situation? Everyone's kind of like bickering or just whatever, just stressful. And then that one person walks in and it just kind of changes. Have you ever experienced that like in a good way? It's because they have that peace. And whatever peace, whatever you host, you'll leak out. And may we be those people that actually win battles, not just through good debate, but through, oh my gosh, Jake just showed up on the scene and he brought Jesus and there's peace everywhere. Awesome. It's a good way to fight. I also think about the really popular song right now. If you've heard it, This Is How I Fight My Battles. It's a good song. But if you listen to that song, it says, This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. So good. That is like the biggest just declaration of truth and peace, of, of actually, we don't want to be believers of, how many of you know that when you came into the kingdom, God didn't promise you just like an amazing life? He promised you a transformed life, that we're going to be a people that can show the world that in the midst of every trial and every storm, we can maintain peace and truth, and we can shine and be Jesus in the middle of that. Amen? So it's one of those things where in, in our time of it may look like I'm surrounded. It may look like everyone's out to get me. It may look like just the paychecks and, and everything's not lining up and just stress. It may look like it. But may we be people that declare it may look like it, but I'm going to choose that I'm, I'm going to realize that I'm surrounded by you. And that is how I fight my battles, not out of stress and anxiety. Moving on, verse 16. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all. Gosh, I love that. Are you guys kind of grasping that this is like vic victorious language? It's like the battle's one language, right? So extinguish all. Can you say all? all. Let's say it again, all. all. Let's say extinguish all. extinguish all. So you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. See, I love this, that faith is our shield. So, so faith, in other words, our belief, our truth. Guys, your shield is, is only big as your truth. Some of you may have a shield, but you're kind of walking around. It feels like a tiny shield, and you feel like you're kind of getting poked sometimes in life. Well, I've been there where, you're, where you just feel like your shield is small, and the enemy somehow can get in every way. I'd like to propose to you that if you want more protection, and you feel like you're getting poked everywhere, that we need to now go get more truth, not more ministry, not more worship playlist songs. We need truth. What does that mean? We need knowledge of him. We need the word of God. We need to know how strong he is because it's truth that will set us free. So actually what's amazing about this is if you want a bigger, bigger shield, get bigger faith, get bigger trust, get bigger truth. And what I love about this victorious language is that it, we, as it's saying here, and this is like easier said than done, but it's saying here that as a New Testament believer, we are not called to ever be hit by any flaming dart from the enemy. Saying it, our shield of faith can extinguish all of them. So I have good news for you. 
that we're going to get truth and knowledge of who God is. And I do believe that the more we dive into this thing of truth, not just ministry, but truth as a person, replacing, we're going to get into strongholds, replacing lies with truth, you guys can live a life where you aren't poked anymore. You can live a life where those darts don't hit you anymore because your shield is just so big. <laughs> it's good. Okay. And I just love, once again, that it, I keep saying it, but it's, it's not like sweaty fight language. It's all stand. It's all like shield. If you, if, this wasn't in the notes, but I heard a pastor say before, all of the armor is on the front. It doesn't talk about any armor in the back. Why? Because as believers, we are never called to turn and run. We're only called to stand and be strong. Amen? So moving on. Take the helmet of salvation. Did we read that part? No, here we go. Verse 17. Ready? Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Simply put, this is so simple. Helmet of salvation. We better start thinking saved. I'll say it again. Think saved. I heard a pastor say one time, I never want to have a thought go in my head that isn't washed in the blood of Jesus. See, it's that simple. See, constantly we have all our thoughts running through so many different filters. But may we be a people where the only, we only have one filter, and it's salvation. It's the blood of Jesus. It's what he says about us. And so may every thought in our head. So we better start. See, at some point in this walk with Christ, you're going to have to start believing that you're born again. You're going to start having to get excited of I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm his. Think saved. Amen? Now the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says this. Let's look at the screen. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, once again, Jesus is our perfect model of how we should fight our battles. This, this verse reminds me of in Matthew, some of you guys know, where he was confronted by the enemy, and on three different occasions, he uses the sword of the Spirit, if you will, the Word of God, to stand firm against the enemy's accusations. So, the sword of the Spirit, let me see here, sorry, Santa Maria. Here we go. The sword of the Spirit. This is so good. This is why... Are you guys still with me? Am I still with me? Let's see. Okay. The sword of the Spirit. This is why I love... The, the, why we love declarations around here. Simply put. This declarations, when we declare something, it's not just a mind, mind over matter thing. We're not just declaring things until we finally believe it. There could be some truth in that. If you don't believe it, maybe just keep saying it and watch how it changes. But we don't just declare things to declare things right? No, the, the sword of the Spirit is actually something that is used in our arsenal. It's the Word of God. It's the freshly spoken Word of God that will actually destroy those darts that are flying towards us. So I've learned over the years that my sword actually like doesn't stay sharp on its own. It just kind of gets dull if I don't do something. I think about it's his voice, constantly staying under his voice. I think of prayer. I think of reading the word of God. I've noticed in times of fasting, these are things that will keep your sword sharp. 
So let's be people that have that sword and know how to fight with it. Now, what's really cool is I heard um, one of my favorite pastors, Bill Johnson, actually talk about this sword. And this is, this is amazing. This sword, back in the day, what Paul is referring to is actually, don't think a long sword for, like, sword fighting, right? We can all picture that long sword, and it's like, anyways, that wasn't cool. That's not scary either. But picture a long sword for fighting. This sword was actually like a tiny dagger. There's a tiny dagger that they kept, and what that tiny dagger did, this is so good, is this tiny dagger was actually made for the times that maybe the soldier did get hit, There was an arrow that came through, and this tiny dagger, get this, is actually made not for sword fighting, but it's to take out any pieces of the dart that hit you on your side. So to take it a step further, what the sword of the Spirit does is the enemy throws these darts, and I like to propose that those darts are heading straight to your mind. They're accusations, they're lies from the enemy. And what we need to learn how to do is minister to ourselves with the word of God. What we need to do is use the word of God like a little dagger whenever we get hit, that we get to use the word of God to to peel out, if you will, certain things that lies and wounds that we have and use that dagger, use the word of the Lord to strengthen ourselves and be healed. Amen? It's a beautiful thing. So we must learn to minister to ourselves. I think Jesus in that story, I don't ever want to propose that one of the fiery darts hit Jesus. I don't think it did. But he perfectly modeled what it's like to minister to yourself. In the midst of battle, this is what you do. You declare the word of the Lord. Amen? So how many of you are feeling equipped? Feeling good? How many of you are getting something out of this? Now, to wrap up, I'd like to shift gears just a tad and get really practical with you, even share some tips from my own life of how I grew in ministering to myself and being strengthened by truth. Let's read the scripture on the screen. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Kind of similar language. For the weapons of our warfare, get this, this is a big deal. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling, another translation says breaking, pooling or breaking down of strongholds. See, I would say there's a lot of different types of fights that I've gone through in this life, but honestly, from my own experience, a lot of fighting the good fight of the faith has to do with this scripture, especially the pooling down of the strongholds. So strongholds, what are strongholds? I I wrote here, being ways of thinking that have taken up residence in my mind and are rooted in a lie. Let me say that again. Strongholds are ways of thinking, things that get stuck here that have taken up residence in my mind and that are rooted in a lie. So guys, a helpful tip is that I'm constantly in my life understanding that it's truth that sets me free. In John 8, 32, it says this, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Probably my biggest tip for you all tonight in this fight, in this world, is that make truth your best friend. Make truth your best friend. I love this. Let's look at the screen. Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom, I love this first sentence. Wisdom is the principal thing. I just think of just, I don't know who would say that, but it just, just, just some wise old man. I think of Jim, not old, but I think of Jim. Jim, sorry. I, I just feel like, I, you get what I'm saying. I feel like we'd have breakfast and Jim would talk like that. He said, wisdom is the principal thing. And I'd be like, whoa. Just think of that. Think of Jim Trout saying this to you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Guys, I think of my life, I think of constantly, I'm trying to get at so many different things. 
But I love this. I love the Bible's so good. It makes the gospel simple and easy. He's saying, therefore, get wisdom in all your getting in life. In all your getting, get understanding. Make truth your best friends because it's what sets you free. Hear me for a second. I've learned in my walk that it isn't, now hear me for a second, it isn't prayer that has set me free. This could be a new concept for some of you guys. It isn't ministry that has set me free. It isn't a worship song that I can remember that set me free. It isn't some awesome teaching or podcast. I've learned, I'm still young, but over the years of following the Lord, I've learned that it's truth that replaces a lie that sets me free. Truth being a person which is Jesus that sets me free. I've actually learned from my experience, in all honesty, that getting this truth that sets me free, I, it rarely ever comes from someone else. It, most of the time, it always comes with me and myself and Jesus alone, where I'm having those thoughts, and I, I'm reading the word, and I get alone with him, and I'm allowing him to be the potter of my mind, where I'm the clay. It comes from me surrendering to his voice, me being the clay, and he molds me with his voice of truth. See, resisting the devil is actually quite simple. It's found in surrender. See, let's look at the screen here in James. It says, James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Just love this. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's so simple. It's saying submit, surrender to him, and watch how the devil leaves. See, I, I want you guys to hear me. I'm not against prayer. I'm not against intercession. I'm not against counseling. I think they all have their rightful place, and we love those things. But at the end of the, day, end of the day, I know what I need. I need truth. It's what sets me free. It comes from me submitting myself to God. What's amazing is when I do that, the devil then flees. I'm not actually focusing on the devil. Guys, this gospel is not a devil-conscious gospel. This is a righteousness answer. We have the answer. We're sons and daughters type of gospel. It's an answer gospel. Amen? So... The best spiritual warfare method for me that I've found is something like this. Lord Jesus. So keep in mind, say the enemy speaking to me. Say, this happens all the time. I don't, does the enemy speak to you? He speaks to me. And this is what it looks like for me. Lord Jesus, I love you so much. I'm not feeling it. But this is what I do. I, I, my feel, we're, we're called believers, not feelers. We're called believers, not feelers. So many of you know that I feel, I, I feel things a lot of times that don't line up with Scripture. But Jesus is king. So what does that mean? My feelings, my emotions must come in line with Jesus. So it looks like this. I may be feeling just stressed out, anxious. Lord Jesus, I love you so much. I submit myself to you. I hear the enemy speaking to me. I feel these certain feelings that I don't like. But you are king over all of that. Thank you for the truth you've already spoken over me, already spoken over me. You're amazing. I believe in you, and I take you at your word. Guys, if you start talking like that and start choosing freedom through truth, watch how your feelings will change, and watch how the enemy flees. It's powerful. See, I've honestly seen a lot of people in the church run, like run, run, run fast to prayer, but what's leading them is anxiety and fear. Anxiety and fear is driving them to their prayer chain or their, their email chain or their phone. Fear and anxiety is what's driving them. And I've noticed, and I've been there, 
I, I, I do the stuff, but I, it tends to feel like I'm like kind of shadow boxing the enemy. Right? I get like sweaty and it's like, oh, don't say that. And, don't, and here's this scripture and I bind you. And that's amazing. There is time and place to do that. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear me. Don't hear me wrong in that. It's confusing because then ministry and prayer becomes our savior, not Jesus. I've actually noticed that those ways of fighting also tend to, like I said before, tend to be a little bit more devil conscious than Jesus, truth, and righteousness conscious. Because church, really, sometimes we talk about the devil way more than we should. I hear it. You know, the devil this, the devil that, all that kind of stuff. I would argue if we spend more time talking about Jesus and the finished work of the cross, we'd be a transformed people. (laughs) See, guys, we have the victory and we have the answer, and that's why it's good news. We are called Christians to be victorious and stand in that. Get this. We are not called to be troubleshooters. We have the answer. His name is Jesus. It's not our job to walk around and lift up every rock and see if there's a devil under there. No, we have an answer. We have an answer. His name is Jesus. Here's the other thing, though, is it's not even about what the devil is saying. Because what does that matter? This one truth has, like, saved my life. And I've shared it without, we live off this truth. The, the, the issue, I also think, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place here, but think about, I, when I talk about this next thing, I always think about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do we know that story? Honestly, go watch the VeggieTales one, you'll cry your eyes out. I pulled it up this week, and I was just like weeping. I'm serious. It's like powerful little veggies that know the truth. Seriously. And what's amazing, it's so good. And, and this story actually depicts it perfectly. We live life a lot of times trying to pray away every single fire in life. How many, like, I love it. He does show up sometimes, and he gets rid of the, the fire. But I also notice that sometimes, sometimes the Lord, we, the backbone of all our theology is God is good. But I've also noticed as a good father, sometimes he lets the fire stay there so we learn how to be Jesus in the midst of it. If he just took away every fire, we wouldn't know. We would just, he'd be like a vending machine, right? But what I think about with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what's powerful about about that story is it was truth that they spoke out, that they weren't like, oh gosh, the fire. They actually stood firm, fighting, like how I said, standing in the peace and trust of God, in the middle, in the midst of that, they were able to declare truth. And that's what we're called to. So when I, when I, so the issue, once again, it's very simple, is not the fire. It's what do we do in the fire. I actually do believe we talk about revival and all that kind of stuff. I really do think the next big revival is, yes, going to come through signs and wonders and all that stuff. But it's also going to come from you believing this truth when you're at work and everything, you get the bad phone call. You get your bank account, it doesn't look like how you would like. You're stressed out at work, and they can look at Philip. They can look at Waza, and they can see, oh my gosh, they never changed. That man was in the fire. Because there's honestly, there's a lot of, I'm not that schooled. There's a lot of people that know way more about this stuff than me. And so they'd be like, oh, I know what he's talking about, I don't need it. But what I think is coming is, is a day where people can stand in the midst of the fire, and they'd actually be like, now I want what they want. That actually in the midst of all of it, they've maintained joy, peace, and rest, and that they have hope. That is just good news. So what I was going to say is it doesn't matter. The fire isn't the issue. So in other words, the devil speaking to you isn't the matter. Because here's the simple truth that changed my life. He's a liar. 
Guys, this truth has brought me so much freedom in this, that the issue is not trying to have the enemy not talk to me. Because if you're waking up and going throughout your day and you hear him speaking to you, you have temptations or you feel, hear these lies, he's probably coming after you because you are valuable. He's probably coming after you because he's afraid of like, oh my gosh, I saw, I saw Emily in that, he's just a creep. I saw Emily in that worship set, and I know she kind of had a rough week, but she started singing those songs, and she's starting to get it. And, but I don't think she believes what she's singing, so Monday I'm going to come in and just whisper this thing and see, see if she, she does it. But then she starts seeing Emily take ground and declare truth, and, he, and he's scared. He sees, like, oh, my gosh, here's a daughter who's about to just know truth, and I'm scared, and so I'm going to start speaking. So if he's coming after you, it's because you're valuable. If he's coming after you, he's scared of you finding the truth. So he's a liar. So whatever he's speaking to you, flip it. That's the truth that will set you free. This has changed my life. He's so simple. He's like kind of a one-trick pony. He shows his cards. Whatever he's saying to you, if you can hear his voice, what he's saying to you, flip it. Because flip it and you'll get your answer. So there's mornings where I wake up and I may hear the enemy be like, you're a loser, you're never going to make it. I have an option right there to be stressed out, to be bummed. Once again, the abundance of the, you start to find out what truth is actually in your heart. Are you going to declare, yeah, yeah, the last couple days at work, I just haven't been working that good. I think I am a loser. I haven't taken my wife out on a date in a while. Or Yeah, that worship song was kind of weird. I am a loser. No. Stand, be strong. Stand, stand strong. Stand firm on his promises. And when you hear that voice, what should it do? Oh, so now when, when the enemy, he rarely talks to me anymore because he knows what I'm going to do. But when he comes to me and he says, hey, you're a loser, you're not going to make it. God, I just thank you so much right now that I'm not a loser. I thank you so much that I'm so going to make it. I thank you that I don't know what the destination is in front of me, but I know there is one. And I also know that if you are for me, who can be against me? That's what I do. This is spiritual warfare. This is breaking down of the strongholds. This is what it looks like. I hope you're getting some good tips here. Okay? You know, I, I, I've been here before, and you may be hearing something. Here's kind of like a little process. Hey, man, my, work's been, my week's been super tough. I really need you to pray for me. The enemy keeps talking. We should start responding that way with, well, you better be excited because he's a liar. You better be excited that he's talking to you because he's showing you what is right on the other side if you stand in victory. See, once again, he is a liar. He's creepy. (laughs) He's a one-trick pony. He's constantly showing his hand, his tactics. And you might be hearing him throughout the day. Like, once again... He might be saying to me, you're not a good pastor. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. I heard that this week. It was like, you're not that schooled. You're not this. No one's going to get this from you. But guys, what I did in that moment was once again was, God, I just so thank you that you already see me. It's not even about titles. I thank you that you see me as a son who has a voice. And that voice in me is you. And God, I thank you that there's going to be hundreds of people that want to hear what I have to say because it's you. It's the spirit of truth. Start talking to yourself that way. See, I keep saying it. I love prayer. But hear me for a second. A lot of times, I've noticed in my own life, I don't need prayer. I've actually noticed that there's certain times where I explore prayer and 
go doing all these things, and then I find that I'm more confused and more discouraged. I need to believe. I need to have the faith. I need to fight the good fight of faith. So just walking throughout life, you, here's another scenario. It's, it's pretty similar, but say I see this all the time. This has happened to me. You're never going to make it, blah, blah, blah. You, you wake up and you're like, blah, 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 you're never going to make it. You're a loser, or you're not a good parent, or you're not a good husband, or if people really knew who you were, no one would want to be your friend. And then so all week, you just feel kind of bummed, and you're like, I'm never going to make it. And you start declaring, oh, my gosh, I'm the worst, I'm the worst. And then what happens is it leads you to then pick up the phone, and I call Alex or somebody, and I'm like, hey, man, um, dude, this is, this, is, this is a huge attack. Like, I keep hearing this, and I just keep hearing, I'm never going to make it. Can you pray for me? And then, I hang, and then he's just like, I just bind you, Satan. I bind your voice over my brother, and I just pray truth over him, and da-da-da. And then I hang up, and then you're, you're never going to make it. Prayer didn't save me. How many of you know what I need, to, need in my mind is to break a stronghold? I need to, I'm believing a lie that I need to replace with truth. Remember, our weapon is in the breaking down of strongholds. So one last principle that really helps me through, through this process of resi- re- resisting the devil is this. Simply put, when the Holy Spirit took residence up in me, when he took residence up in you, you were fully washed and you were fully clean. How many of you believe that? When you truly believe that the old has passed away and behold the new has come, it will change everything. See, Whenever I get tempted or hear a lie, it's easy to think that it was something in me that needs to get out. It gets shame. The enemy wants you to think shame, and this is who I am. When I get that thought, I'm like, oh gosh, is it something that I did, and why am I thinking that way? And da, da, da. No, the gospel is simple. We need to realize that the old is past, and the new has come. So what does that mean? This truth has completely just changed my life, is this idea of, Even the Bible talks about his voice is a stranger's voice. It should feel strange. So now that we're new and washed and clean, just us not wanting that thought shows that it's not us. There used to be a time in my life before I was fully saved where I'd hear those things and I used to think it was me. But and I didn't even care. I would just hear those things and kind of move on. But now it shows that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence, and when I hear that voice, it's this truth will, maybe this is just helps me, but this truth, maybe run with it, take it to the Lord, is this idea of this thought is outside of me. It's like almost like a slideshow that's coming through and it's just trying to take up residence. And there's so much truth in knowing, no, God, I'm actually separate from that. That's something that's trying to tempt me. It's on the outside trying to get in. Does that make sense? So I urge you to run towards him. Because I've seen in ministry, we tend to think that we need to do more work to get that thing out of us. No, the whole reason of it seeming weird is that, once again, it's a stranger's voice. So I should probably wrap up here. I could obviously talk about this forever. I have a lot of passion, but let's all stand.